You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. If you want to win in sport, it, it means controlling every variable. And this is that like game-changing variable that everything that's been in the textbooks about fueling for performance has been wrong. And it's like, we're going to reverse the literature. And yeah, I, I just, I'm excited for what's to come in the next 10 years from like a human performance standpoint. But yeah, if you're an athlete, again, every athlete should be using this. And in, in due course, every athlete will be able to. That was Phil Sutherland. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, Marnie on the Move listeners. Welcome and welcome back. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. As you know, I love to introduce you to game changers, pioneers, and thought leaders when it comes to health, exercise, and wellness. Today's conversation and guest are going to change the way you train, race, and live. His idea and company are truly revolutionary. I sync up with Phil Sutherland, CEO and co-founder of Team Novo Nordisk, the first all-diabetic cycling team, and he is also the CEO and co-founder of Super Sapiens, the groundbreaking glucose monitoring system allowing non-diabetic athletes to purchase continuous glucose monitoring technology and gain insights into how glucose and fuel impact their bodies in real time. Athletes will discover which glucose sources provide stable and sustainable energy. They will understand their key glucose performance zones, how to maintain peak performance, and fine-tune their fueling strategies all through the company's very cool app and analytics. Inspired by his own personal experience, Phil was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when he was just seven months old, but his family was determined for him to live a normal life. After growing up playing sports and falling in love with cycling, Phil realized glucose monitoring wasn't only necessary for people diagnosed with diabetes. It could be game-changing for everyone, especially athletes. Before we dive into this conversation, shout out to Marnie on the Move sponsors, Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra-personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. They are my go-to for understanding my inner health, looking at my blood levels, and getting great nutritional insight. Inside Tracker transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed recommendations you need to reach your goals. Take control of your health and wellness. Unlock the power of your potential. Use our code for 20% off. Thank you, MOTM. And of course, there's a link in the show notes. Now, back to Phil Sutherland. On this episode of Marnie on the Move, Phil and I sync up about his passion for cycling 
and how he turned his love into a platform for diabetes awareness. He shares his inspiration for Team Novo Nordisk and the motivation behind starting Super Sapiens, the ultimate tool for helping athletes fuel optimally. Phil and I chat about the science behind glucose monitoring and the breakthrough potential Super Sapiens has for powering athletes and everyday people for success. Phil dials me in to how it all works, from the application of the Abbott LibreSense glucose support biosensor to the key data we should be looking for as athletes. Phil also shares the exercise and wellness routines that are currently fueling him for success. Heads up, if you haven't already noticed, Super Sapiens is the title sponsor for Ironman Kona 2021 and 2022. They are the sponsors of Ironman Europe. They also have a club on Strava and, of course, are on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Additionally, Super Sapiens is being used by leading pro cyclists, including members of the Ineos Grenadiers, Jumbo Visima, and Canyon Tram Pro Tour teams. There are also several Ironman, Olympic, and professional triathletes, and top-level runners currently using the biosensors. Super Sapiens is the future of sports, fitness, and health. I am 100% on board. You are going to love this conversation. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple. It's easy. Head over to the app, scroll through the Marnie on the Move podcast, click on five stars, click on leave a review. Also, sign up for our bi-weekly newsletter, the download, and share this conversation with your friends on social. Now... On to my conversation with Phil Sutherland. Tell me a little bit about yourself and where your journey into athleticism began. Where, where to begin? I mean, it's so now I'm, you know, CEO, founder of Team Nova Nordis, CEO, founder, Super Sapiens, president, founder of Team Type One Foundation. Uh, so a lot of cool titles, but it's really all one job. It's like, let's get people healthy, get people active and give them motivation to live good lives. I'm married, have four children, three young boys and, and an older daughter. And you know, so life's a bit chaotic and the bike and exercise keeps you know everything in balance. But it almost didn't happen, right? Uh, at seven months old, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. I was misdiagnosed twice. I'd lost 10 pounds in just a few days. My mother carried me dying in her, in her arms into the hospital and said, please fix my baby. And battery of tests, they came back and said, man, we have good news. We have bad news. You know, good news is your son's going to live for now. Uh, the bad news, he has diabetes. And based on age of diagnosis, standards of treatment, care technology, he's probably not going to make it to 25. But if he does, he'll either have renal failure or be blind. Here's your insulin. Good luck. Wow. And you know, I think that was as harsh as that sounds, I think it was exactly what was needed to hear, right? Because you know, if that wasn't the consequence, you know, would you deal with pricking your son's finger or, you know, just all the, the rigor that goes into managing diabetes? I mean, today it's, you know, challenging, but managing, it's like right. you can do it. But back then, like there was no blood glucose testing. You know, it was squeezing urine from my diaper onto a test strip to find out where my glucose was two hours in rears. Yeah, you know, my first three words were mama, dada, and OJ, because OJ was the medicine that they gave me when my glucose was low. Right. And so that was like, you know, that was just how ingrained you know, diabetes management was into my brain at such a young age. But, you know, at um, once blood glucose testing became available, my parents test, tested me obsessively. They used themselves as a control group. 
And they found out really early that if I was crawling, moving, you know, playing a lot, my insulin worked better and my numbers were better. So in the late 80s, you know, at a time when diabetics were still told, don't participate in sport because of the risk of hypoglycemia, my parents said, screw it, if he's going to die, like, might as well live a good life in the meantime. And so they pushed me into sport. And my first week of swim practice, I found that if I had good control of my glucose, I could win. And if I had bad control of my glucose, I would fail. So you can say for the past 33 years, I've been, you know, hyper obsessed about glucose as a proxy for performance in sport. And, you know, that was, you know, swimming, baseball, football, racquetball, which I was really good at as a young kid. And then ultimately it was the bike that became my drug of choice because I wanted to eat a Snickers bar. And, right. yeah, and in the early nineties, you give your insulin, you got to wait two hours to eat your food. I was 12 years old, had no patience. I found if I could ride my bike to the gas station, you know, I could grab a Snickers bar and then go ride around the neighborhood until my legs hurt and I'd be done or I'd get another candy bar and go again. So that was how you were fueling on your bike while you had diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, back, I mean, and back then, you know, but the bike was freedom for me. Right. Uh, it's, I didn't have to take test strips. I didn't take insulin. All I did was take food. And you know, as the local bike shop community, I wouldn't say adopted me. They, they tolerated me, you know, early on, I was kind of a pesky kid who would break things and be loud and, you know, but somehow they, they let me stay in the shop and, you know, it was, you know, I was normal because, you know, on all those bike rides I went on with them, you know, they had to eat, they had to fuel, I had to eat, I had to fuel. And, you know, we all tried to kick each other's butt and, you know, norm, I wasn't very talented, but I was a little crazy. I, I, you know, I, I couldn't go fast, but I would jump off big stuff. I had to find some way to you know, fit in and be a part of the group. And, you know, I guess the good thing about cycling is if you stick with it, you know, ultimately you get better. Yeah. And, you know, I had a good coach. I had really solid work ethic of, you know, if I had a program, I followed the program. And by 18 years old, I'd worked my way to you know, eighth place at the junior national criterium championships. Uh, went, then went thanks to Athens twilight, uh, to race at the university of Georgia and went to school there. Phenomenal university, beautiful town. You know, if you want to go watch a criterium, go to the Athens twilight. It's the coolest bike race I've ever been to. And I've been to a lot of bike races. The only criterium I've been to is on Zwift. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we can fix that. Yeah. We can fix that. Come on. It's for spectating. It's fun. Yeah. And yeah, that's it for me. <laughs> Yeah, that's okay. You know, we, we need loud, loud cheering fans. Yeah. That was when I used to race. Now I just, yeah. I'm better as a spectator than a racer now. Uh, but, you know, I, what, what happened? So went to college, you know, still wanted to race professionally. I got an offer to go race in Europe at 20 years old. Uh, it was like a dream come true for a kid. You know, that's the way you get your teeth cut. That's the way you get recognized right. by national team. Um, but, it, you know, at the time, my, in, if I'd left school, my insurance was going to be canceled. And I, you know, I grew up single mother household. My mom worked three jobs, you know, as I was growing up to put food on her table and ensure I could have a chance to go to college. And so it was, you know, Phil, you know, each month I can give you $300 either for rent or for your insulin and test strips. And so I took the insulin and test strips and then would go work odd jobs so that I could pay for rent. I had a good landlord who let me babysit or mow lawns or do anything to get the rent paid by the end of the month. So, you know, that was, you know, kind of the first, I had to say no to a dream, you know, because I would have you know, not had access to medicine. And so I skipped that dream, stayed in school. Later the next year, uh, you know, I was the top 
athlete, you know, in the Southeast and collegiate sport. You know, I just won a big race for our university. And this guy afterwards said, you know, Phil, you know, seeing you race, seeing you win is really inspiring to me. You know, it's proof that I can win too. You know, thank you. I was like, all right, cool. And that was Joe Eldridge. We became buddies over the next six months, you know, based on some burrito betting. You know, he took really good control of his diabetes. You know, higher, higher blood sugar paid for dinner. Yeah. And I didn't have any money in college. So Joe was my best friend because he paid for all my meals because I won all the bets. But then that finally changed. He took control. He said, Phil, you know, you saved my life. You know, thanks because you, I'm going to see my grandkids grow up one day. So realized uh, the bike could be a good platform. That was in the right. Lance heyday. Uh, saw what they were doing for cancer awareness and right. thought diabetes needed heroes. So we started Team Type 1. Got to put a team together to race across America in 2006. In November of 05, I got put on a clinical trial with a continuous monitor, freestyle navigator. And in 20 days of seeing all my data in front of me, I learned more about what everything did to my body than in the previous 23 years of obsessing about glucose control. Right. Because until that moment, you had been pricking your finger every few hours to check your levels. I mean, I was checking 20 times a day as, you know, it was just... There's yeah. a lot in life that you can't control, but for me, diabetes was something I could control. And I was really, I was hyper obsessed about it. Like I've, I've checked my glucose 160,000 times. I've done over a hundred thousand injections in, in my life. It's just, I don't, you know, you got to do what you got to do to stay in control. And so, but with the CGM, it was like, it was enlightening, just illuminating to see, wow, you know, all these things that I thought I knew that was, that were wrong. And the adjustments I was able to make in that 20-day period, it was just like the range just went from a lot of variability to much narrow in just a little time. And you can say that's when I got addicted to continuous glucose monitoring. I said to my doctor, look, if we're going to do this race across America, you know, it's, it's got to be positive. You know, we cannot die in the middle of the country and have some sob story about things you can't do because of diabetes. I said, I need this technology. So he introduced me to Abbott. I went and made a pitch as a 23-year-old looking like I was 16, you know, suit and tie. I showed up two hours early to the meeting because I didn't want to be late, and I'm just sitting in the lobby. The assistant came down, Jessica Bloat, wonderful woman, and said, Phil, you know you're two hours early, and the hotel is five minutes away, and there's no traffic. Why don't you go and just rest for a little bit and come back five minutes before the meeting? And she's like, yeah, get out of here. But I came back. We had a good meeting uh, that night. Abbott agreed to get us the technology for the race, fund the team. So we were team type one monitored by freestyle in the 2006 race across America. And everyone on the team was a T1 diabetic. Yep. That was the start of, yeah, up until that point, And, you know, in a lot, a lot of places in the world, even after that, you know, diabetes was all about what you could not do. Right. right? You, I remember. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's what it was. And uh, I knew it was time for change and team type one kind of lit this fire. And I mean, now there's, a lot of phenomenal organizations who are all about what you can do with diabetes, what you right. can achieve. And there's fortunately a lot of leaders in all walks of life who are now, as we enter the second hundred years of life for people with diabetes, you know, if you're diagnosed today, you're going to find a hero in some thing that you want to do. Like if you want to be an athlete, you'll find athletes. If you want to be a, a Supreme court justice, we've got Sonia Sotomayor, you know, right. Theresa May is the prime minister you know, in the UK with diabetes. Uh, so it's, there's leaders and heroes everywhere for people to look up to. Right. I mean, thanks to technology, right? I mean, because of the continuous glucose monitoring system and the data and information that 
you've been able to get over the years from your own experiences and just the science is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's fundamentally changed the world uh, for people with diabetes and you know, just providing access and visibility you know, gives you a chance to correct before there's a problem. And, you know, you have that old, old adage in, in sport, right? Eat before you're hungry, drink before you're thirsty. Right. And now, now with this, you know, with the CGM, it was like, ah, now we can stay in control all the time. And when we're in control all the time, we can win a lot more. How does the continuous glucose monitor work? Yeah. So I've got a sensor in my arm you know, and I guess I've got a spare one here. You can see it's like that big. I actually wear three at a time. You can see this very little filament there. So a needle goes in the arm, comes out and, and inserts this filament. And then this stays in for 14 days or stays on your arm for 14 days. And, you know, for the people with diabetes, you're using this, it's called the Freestyle Libre. And you, know, you scan it, it's NFC, check, and then you get your number. And, and then we've got our Super Sapiens, you know, powered by Abbott version, which is Bluetooth. And that's not yet approved in the US, so we're selling in Europe. And you know, that's Bluetooth, so it sends data on you know, 1,440 data points per day that the consumer's getting, which is phenomenal. That's amazing. So it's... Yeah, and, and you know, it's it was a great tool for us, and it allowed us to race our bikes across America. We came back the next second year, we won the race, set a world record, went in the world of professional cycling as a mixed team of riders with and without diabetes. Uh, up until 2012, where Team Type One was the 24th ranked team in the world, and it was at that point we got the chance to partner with no Nova Nordisk to create Team Nova Nordisk, the world's first all diabetic professional cycling team. Uh, with the mission to inspire, educate, and empower. So, you know, we had CGM for that team. You know, it, you imagine at, athletes from all over the world right. who've never had access to this technology before coming in with different forms of diabetes education. We had to kind of teach them all a system for management. Right. And the technology was great, but not what it is today. And it was always in the back pocket. You know, in a bike race, when you're in the gutter and crosswinds from the side in the rain or the snow at 50 kilometers an hour, reaching into your back pocket to, you know, it was something you could do a couple times an hour. So while we had continuous glucose monitoring, really we were still just getting you know, two to three data points per hour. And there's a lot that can happen in between. Yeah. So how do you manage your diabetes while training and competing? What are you looking for as an athlete? Well, I mean, you go back to time before CGM, it was, if I'm thinking about glucose, right. I'm thinking about my blood sugar, I would eat. That was my, my system back in the day. And then once we had the technology around, you have those thoughts and then you pull the sensor out and look. And the end of 2018, uh, thanks to, you know, Chip Hawkins, who's the CEO of Wahoo Fitness. Right. I love Wahoo. Yeah. I mean, awesome company based here in Atlanta, Georgia. It was ironically like our offices are 20 minutes apart, but because they had their deal with Sky, you know, and Sky is very strict about if you work with us, you can't work with any other teams. Right. Like we're not competing with Sky, but Chip couldn't sponsor us. Once that clause ended, it was the same time that, you know, I said, Chip, I really need your help to get glucose to the bike computer. And uh, he worked some magic and made that happen for, for me and for Team Nova Nordisk. And you know, I'll tell you, after the first 15 days of seeing every data point in front of me on the bike. Right. Like it was like that very same experience getting on a CGM for the first time. I learned so much about all the things I thought I knew that was wrong. And I made so many improvements on optimizing fueling while on the bike. Just 
it was, a, I was just blown away by a lot of the thoughts I had were wrong. A lot right. of thoughts like riding a bike for, you know, it was 26 years riding and racing bikes and had systems that had, you know, had worked, but now I saw so much room for improvement. Right. Like what kind of room? Like, were you, are you thinking, you know, you're on a four hour bike ride and normally you might eat like every 40 minutes, but you realized you needed to eat less or more or just stuff like that. Or I've, I've since found that, you know, if I, if I have a rest day, like if yesterday I rested, no, no exercise. And then today I go on a bike ride, my muscles are loaded. My liver is loaded with glycogen and I can go like, I can, I could start a ride at 90, a glucose of 90, but I'm going to go up and I wouldn't need fuel for about two hours. You know, this is me, right? This does not apply to everyone. Everyone, everyone, everyone is different. So, but then day, if, you know, so ride today, don't need fuel for two hours then go tomorrow. You know, the metabolism has sped up a little bit. And then I find that I still have a glucose spike, but it's about 30 minutes in that it flattens. And then I need to eat. If it's the third day of exercise in a row, I actually need to have like, I'll take a Red Bull, you know, before I get on the bike to get the spike going because it's going to go up and then flatten out and start dropping quickly. And then I need to fuel a bit faster. So my, my fueling changes day by day. And I now, and, and it's, there's over 42 verified variables that can impact your blood glucose. Right. What's your best source of sugar for you? What are the best sources for you that if you need a quick fix or something that lasts longer? So I, I'm, I use exclusively uh, Morton uh, Nutrition okay. when I'm on the bike. You know, I started testing it last year. Um, you know, found it gave me phenomenal control. Like, so I put the Morton 320 in the bottle. I have Morton gels in my pockets. You know, after testing it and then sending it to a few of my athletes, you know, I, I reached out to the CEO, Olaf, and I said, look, you know, we're, we're trying to change the world for people with diabetes. I need my athletes to be fueled appropriately. You know, and we all want Morton. So they came on as a big sponsor of ours this year. You know, I know one of your previous guests, uh, Kevin Rutherford from Noon. Yes. You know, that's our, they're our hydration partner yeah. and have been a great partner for, for Team Open Ordis for that, those times when you're, you know, Noon makes water taste good, right? Yeah. It's just, it you, does. You, just want, you just want more. So I'm fortunate to have a lot of the best, you know, products out there, but when it comes to, I need to make a fix for dropping glucose, you know, the, the Morton, you know, drink 320 plus gel combo is just, it's, you know, it's phenomenal. I'm going to have to uh, try it this year, this season. Yeah. We'll get you some, I'll, I'll send some your way. Yeah. I actually um, had, when I was a kid, we, I got tested for hypoglycemia and had a lot of blood sugar issues. And even I'm curious, you know, I'm obviously going to be trying and engaging in super sapiens. Um, but I'm just curious to see what's really going on in my blood while I'm training, because, you know, I, I wake up and, you know, I've done intermittent fasting and then I'm starving and I don't know that that's like the best thing for me. I don't know. So I'm, I'm just trying to like figure that all out with my performance and training and, you know, it depends on the sport that I'm doing. And I don't know, I'm, I'm very curious to see how it all works out. It's going to be illuminating. You know, yeah. And like, like I say to, you know, someone who's newly diagnosed with diabetes or someone getting on a sensor yeah. for the first time, just, you're going to have some high glucose. It's okay. You're going to have some low glucose. It's okay. Just don't judge yourself by the numbers. Okay. And if it doesn't make sense, that's okay. You know, cause it's, there's so much that goes in and you like, look, I've been measuring glucose for 39 years now. Right. So it's not new for you. It's not new for me, but I still learn new things every day. Yeah. Like it's, 
I still make a mistake every day that I have to do like, it's like, this should have worked because I did the same amount of insulin that I did last time, but today the glucose went higher for some reason. And it's just, you know, always kind of figuring out how, how do you adapt? So if like things that we're seeing now that, you know, if you, at dinner time, some people have, you know, higher glucose after dinner, go on a walk, you know, walk for 15, 20 minutes, and that's going to help get your glucose down. So exercise helps lower your glucose really. It speeds your metabolism for about 16 hours after a workout. Okay. And so if you think like, you know, I, we've got this great, a couple of great Mexican restaurants. I mean, I, I could eat Mexican food, you know, breakfast, lunch, you and mentioned dinner. mentioned burritos earlier. Yeah. I... Yeah. And, and so we've, we've got a place where we go for some creative lunches, call it. And they've got a uh, great adult lemonade mm-hmm. and chips and salsa and carne asada tacos. I, I know for this meal, I know it's bad for me, right? I, I, need, I typically give four injections you know, and about 15 to 20 units of insulin to get back to normal after this meal. Okay. So when we started, you know, having my, the, te- the Super Sapiens team going, you know, using our technology under clinical trial, we saw their glucose, non-diabetics spiking up to 190, 200, and then crashing right back down and they felt like crap. And so, you know, one could say, and this, you know, kind of going back to the days of diabetes, you can't eat that, right? right. You shouldn't eat that because it's bad. So I got to give credit to, you know, my co-founder, president here at Super Sapiens, Todd, he said, well, I don't want to have that spike in glucose, but I also don't want to give up that meal. So Todd went on a 10 mile run the, the morning before our last creative lunch, his glucose only went to 118. So if you think he found that, you know, we could say you shouldn't eat that meal because it's going to cause a big spike or go exercise first. And then it's a much dampened spike. Right. It's a good workaround. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what I want at Super Sapiens. Yeah. I, I want to validate the power of exercise and get people to realize that, you know, again, life gets in the way, work gets in the way, family gets in the way. There's lots of reasons that the exercise as a priority gets moved down the list. Right. But if you want to live a healthy life, you know, we have so much data now that's showing people who are exercise have better average glucoses. People who exercises have less spikes in glucose. If you exercise regularly, you're a happier person. So it's right. just, you know, I want to help athletes, you know, achieve their goals, whether that's, and I, it's my core belief, Right. Every human's an athlete, right? And so life got in the way. So now we got to wake up the athlete from within. And if your goal is to get off the couch for the first time in 20 years and walk around your block, we want to help you see what that does to your body and see, you know, get that visual reward that that's good for you. If your goal is win the Tour de France or win a gold medal in Tokyo, win Kona Ironman, we want to help you achieve that goal and see the power that exercise has, you know, over longevity in life. So it's, it's about, you know, showing 7 billion people that they are an athlete, uh, whether they have been for the last 10 or 15 years or not. And then just going out there and setting a goal and, you know, learning about your body as part of the journey. And so that's your mission. It's also how you empower your athletes and other people living with diabetes. Do you, how do you get that information out there beyond just like your ecosphere of team Novo Nordisk or super sapiens? Like, are you on bigger forums putting the information out that you're learning to other people with diabetes? I used to, but before family, uh, I was, I did a lot of speeches and so I've spoken, you know, at the UN at South by Southwest, the American Diabetes Association conferences, just anywhere and everywhere. 
but with Team Nova Nordisk, we've got nearly 9 million fans on social media. Um, it's, it's a powerful outlet. Our fans are engaged. So we're able to disseminate info there. And then I've got a good group, a great, well, we've got the professional team, the development team, junior team. I have camps in the summer, talent ID program for kids with diabetes to teach them. You know, so we do a lot of hands-on with you know, training people you know, and empowering these young athletes to realize that they're heroes. And then we've got an ambassador program outside of that. And we do about 150 grassroots you know, events per year. Obviously last year it was, and right now it's a little different. Right, but, right now, yeah. Uh, this, this time shall pass. And, you know, they go out and do, you know, hundreds of speeches around the year uh, to hospitals, to, you know, you know, ministries of health, to diabetes camps, and just yeah. anywhere where, you know, our Nova Nordis finds a place that someone needs some inspiration, we bring an athlete in to tell their story and just talk about how exercise has been a key factor for their successes in life. That's great. I hope my listeners who have diabetes or have kids with diabetes are listening to this if you're not an athlete, because this is definitely an amazing learning if you don't already know that you should be exercising. And so speaking of exercising, tell me about Super Sapiens and the inspiration behind this concept and this amazing product that you're bringing to market. And when we got glucose to the bike computer, like I, I knew like this is the best invention I'd had in my 37 or whatever years it was right. with, the, with diabetes. I was like, I got to bring this to market. But as I kept showing it to other athletes, like business leaders, advisors, you know, you know, entrepreneurs, I kept hearing the same thing. I don't have diabetes, but I'd buy that. You know, I bonked before, uh, you know, I've, I've ran, ran out of energy. I'd buy that. I'd buy that. And so I started rethinking it like, wow, you know, it's not just people with diabetes who need this information. It's, you know, the athletes want this information. And so originally the concept was let's bring the, put this on, you know, athletes during events so that they can prevent the bonk or right. stop hitting the wall. But as we started putting on more people, it wasn't, we realized there's the on hours when you're exercising where that information is vitally important to success. But then we started seeing all these benefits in the off hours when you're not exercising. So from diet validation to how you're going to plan your fueling strategy leading up to training or racing. And then more importantly, like what are the recovery protocols? And so started to see mass benefits for our trial users and just the 24 hours around the clock. So when we, when I approached Abbott, you know, back in May of 2019 with the concept and what we wanted to do, it, it was, you know, do you have a name or do you have a, do you have a company? I said, well, technically, yes. Do you have employees? Technically, no, but I've got some people who, you know, if I could get a sensor partner, would quit their day jobs and come on. And they said, do you have a business plan? I said, no. They said, well, create all that and come back to me. And so I came back in uh, June, 2019 and uh, with a full super sapiens brand identity, what we wanted to do for athletes of the world. And a week later, it was verified that we would go into business together. And then, so what about where I was at lunch with uh, Todd, Brian, and Jay when that email came through and they, they both said, all right, we'll come work for you. And I invested the first chunk of capital into the company to hire my first three employees. And then we got Gagan on board as chief technology officer and, you know, spent the past, call it, you know, almost two years now, you know, raising the money to build the ecosystem, build the app. Right. The app is beautiful. It's a great app. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
lots of good information. Yeah, it's it's good now, but it, you know we we still, you know, it's it's far from perfect, right? And we're you know what what I've been really proud of is that we've got some phenomenal early adopters uh, in the EU who have been r- really willing to share what they liked, what they loved about the app, which we hear a lot of that. And, right. You know, thank you. But also things that we could do better. And, you know, it's, you know, we're here to serve the athletes. And if we're not, if we haven't solved for something and they really want it, then that means we need to put that into the ecosystem. So continually to develop a better mousetrap, right. you know, so that we can deliver more value through the app. And then in the not too distant future, you know, we'll be able to get the products into the ecosystems of the athlete. Like, you know, having it on my Wahoo is the reason uh, we we exist. And so I'm testing a beta version with Garmin now. A beta with Wahoo will be coming now. And, you know, soon we can bring this, you know, just like uh, if you're a cyclist with, you know, if you get on a bike and you don't have power. Yeah. You know, ah, what do I do if you don't have glucose or heart rate? Ah, what, what do I well, the thing that allows you to push the heart rate you want or the power you want is having the right amount of glucose in your blood. Right. And when we can help people to visualize all of those data points and how they correlate with each other and how that translates to feeling, then you know, it's going to be that tool that you're at a disadvantage if you're not using. And so I'm just, you know, we've been a part of a few records so far. Right. Uh, you know, we've had it on athletes winning Ironman. We had it, you know, on a... A recent world record, which call it little Everstein challenge, which fueling was a key part of that success. We've got the fastest runner in the world, uh, former winners of the Tour de France who are on it and loving it. And then I've got people who write to me and say, Phil, the only thing you would call me an athlete is because I have a pair of running shoes collecting dust in my closet. But this app has helped guide me to become a healthier person. And, you know, now I'm taking taking care of control of my health in a mean manner that I've never done before. So it's been interesting just to see like the full spectrum of people. You know, as an athlete, you know, what am I looking for and how do I use this data? What we're starting to do now is we're kicking off a super savings university and, you know, we're, we're going to work with some of the preeminent coaches in the world to begin. What is the education that you need like to, to feel confident in helping your clients, your, your athletes, you know, know how to utilize glucose for performance. And so we, we had an athlete, you know, again, who broke a world record last week on the technology. And, and the week before we did, um, there was a little test test event where we did half of it. And it was all about finding out what is the most glucose you can put into your blood, like tolerate ingesting. And he found he could take in 150 grams of carbs an hour. And that allowed him to have the glucose level where he felt great, which was 160. And so he found that his target glucose to, for opt, optimal power output was 160. Now, I've seen other athletes you know, who, you know, like Bobby Julik uh, and George Hencappy, they were doing a gravel race together. And those guys, they both had an average of 178 and 172, respectively, for a three and a half hour gravel race. And it's, right. you know, we're starting to, you know, and, and then others, you know, so there's, like, if you want to go do a, call it a fat adaptive workout, right? You know, or base right. training, you don't, you don't need glucose in the 160s for base workouts. Right, you know, I like zone to, two, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you can get away with a glucose of 90, 100, 110 in, in those workouts. But if you're going out for an interval session and, or you're going to do lactic. Lactic threshold training, yeah. Then, then you need to find the glucose that's going to allow, glucose level that's going to allow you to perform the best. And, you know, is it, you know, 
like, when do you have your last meal? Right. And there's always been, I have the gel, you know, 15 minutes before you start people, people do that. That's a disaster. Why? Cause you take a gel and then it spikes your glucose and then you start exercising, which you know, your insulin, your insulin's reacting to the spike as you begin to exercise and exercise kind of gives you a four X power to your insulin. You know, this is not scientifically validated, but it's in my own observation. So you take a gel 15 minutes before you start working out, you get a big crash and then that's going to cause you to dip into your reserves right off the bat. So what we found is that about eight minutes into exercise is the good time to start fueling. And you you start taking in calories at that point, you can stabilize your glucose performance zone and then be the best of yourself. Right. And I guess the look, we're all born with a different set of physiological capabilities, right? And there's, you know, Chris Froome, who, you know, has a VO2 max of like 85. Yeah, he, he was born with that, but he also trained to, to push it higher. And then there's people who have a VO2 max of 50, but, you know, they, you know, whatever, it's, you are who you are. And it's right. all about being the best of yourself. And whether you've got a, you know, call it a, a Honda Civic as your engine, you know, or a Ferrari is your engine, you know, you got one thing in common that if there's no gas in the tank, you're both going the same speed. Right. And so we just want, we want you to have the right amount of gas in your tank so you can be the best of yourself. And, you know, it's, you're going to have to do some trial and error, going to have to do some experiments and, you know, do a, if it's a 10 K run or if it's a threshold workout, you try it one week with one fueling strategy, see how your, your, your Watts were, see how your power output was, see how you felt, and then do it, do that exact same workout the next week with a different fueling strategy. And then see, you know, what was your glucose? What was your wattage? What was, how, and did, how you did you feel? feel? Yeah, exactly. And the most, and that's the most important thing is how did you feel? Yes. And, and people keep finding that when they have the right amount of glucose in their blood, they feel better, they go faster. And, you know, when you do that and you come home from a workout, having achieved your targets, what do you do? You smile, you're happy. You like, you want to tell someone about that and you tell enough people about how great it felt to exercise, then they're going to start exercising. This is game changing for recreational athletes, age groupers. I mean, it's not just the pros because I mean, I know so many people, including myself, although I think I overeat when I'm out on the course because I'm afraid I'm going to undereat, but I've seen so many really amazing athletes bonk on the course or like, you know, they get out of the swim and they're like, oh, I'm not hungry. I'm just going to get on the bike. And then they're like on the bike and they're not hungry. And then by the time they're like getting on the run, they're, they're bonking and they can't do the run. And then they're like not finishing DNFing or they finish and they're destroyed. I think everybody can benefit from this, but I think there's specifically people who don't know enough about nutrition. And I'm sure that I probably could eat less and then maybe I would spend less time eating on the bike and pedaling, but that's what I yeah. do. <laughs> it's possible, but yeah, we'll, yeah. you're going to learn here in the next, next couple of weeks. What's the average time frame that would be good for an athlete to test this out on themselves? Well, you're going to learn a lot in the first week and you're going to learn a lot in the second week and third. It's, as I said earlier, it's, I'm still learning new things every right. day. And so I think you need to be on it for at least 39 years to become a master. Okay. Yes. <laughs> nonstop. Yes. Um, but now it's just depending on what your goals are right. and how many events, uh, like the big thing is putting events in. So 
you know, it's going to sync with your, your Apple Health Kit if that's what you have. And so your sleep data will populate. And then if you put in right now, you need to put in the exercise events. You need to put in the, the meals. This stuff is going to be, become more automated. Right. You know, have you in, talked to Dirk and at Training Peaks? Yeah, yeah. So the Training Peaks integration, like that's that's coming. It's like a month away, okay. I think, maybe yeah. sooner, uh, maybe later. Yeah. And you know, Training Peaks. I mean, I I first rode with Dirk when I was 19 years old. He mm-hmm. was a professional. I was on the development team, and I was a young kid. You know, just like trying to show I deserve to be there. And Dirk was like, uh, kid, it's okay. Just take your time. You're young. Like just, there's no rush. Just watch and learn. And he was a great mentor back then. And it's awesome to see what he and Training Peaks and their entire community have built for the coaches of the world. And of course, they were one of the very first platforms that, you know, we wanted to be a part of because once people can overlay their glucose with their training files, you know, then both they and their coaches can figure out, you know, what went right, what went wrong. And so often it happens that coaches spend so much time with their athletes and their athletes, they meticulously, you know, train, diet, you know, sleep, just the massage and chiropractor. And there's so much that goes into being ready for race day, but then something goes wrong. It's like the power was there on the last session, the testing was there, the athlete was ready, but then race day, it all goes to crap. Right. And everyone's saying, Why? right? Why? And now, now we know why. And, you know, now we can control for the why and you're not going to have, you're going to take the gambling out of race day. And I mean, it's, it's, I'll give two like iron woman examples. I was at a, like a, a new year's Eve party back in 2008. And this, this girl uh, was a friend of a friend and, you know, she was there with her boyfriend. And I said like, she's yeah. My, her boyfriend said, yeah, she did an iron man. And we're like, wow, that's awesome. Like, what was your time? And she said, I don't want to say. And I said, I said, no, what was your time? You know, I was just like, I said, I don't care if it took two days to do an Ironman. Like, you're my hero. That's awesome. I said, what was your time? And she broke down in tears and left the room. And I said to her boyfriend, I said, I'm, I'm so sorry. What He said, look, she trained for a goal. You know, her coach had her prepared for a goal. She And she she finished but she finished three hours off of what she was physically able to do. Right. And it was such a mental destruction. It was like what should have been one of the biggest celebrations in life of having finished an Ironman was one of the darkest days in her life. Why? She bonked horribly in the run because she didn't, she didn't have the gas in the tank. And it's a huge thing. Yeah. And so fast forward to, you know, 2019 and our early testing days and validation days, um, we had this, uh, this, this wonderful lady who'd done two Ironman. She bonked in both the runs. You know, she was setting out for, you know, a 11 hour target and both her Ironman had done 14 hours. We put the sensor on her four days before her third Ironman and <clears throat> saw that she was hypoglycemic all the time and said, look, you need to eat. You need to fuel. Yeah. You need to eat. And so she doubled her carbohydrate intake for the next three days. And she went on the Ironman broke her PR by three hours. Wow. She achieved her goal and she achieved her target. And she said, we wouldn't, I'd never would have been able to do this if it wasn't for you. And you know, it was just like, I think it's totally the missing link. It, it has been for a lot of years. And it's it, look, no, as I said at the very beginning, I've been hyper obsessed about glucose as a proxy for performance for 33 years. Yeah, I've been making mistakes, you know, during exercise for 33 years and learning from them. 
And it, you know, with Abbott fundamentally changed my life with the technology they brought to market. And I feel like a great sense of pride in that relationship that we have with Abbott and a great sense of pride that we can now bring the technology, but also the experience and the knowledge, you know, to the athletes of the world and just take the gambling out of success. Like right. take the, and it's probably to my detriment because that means people are going to start going a lot faster. And like, I found my happy place in the master's category, but once all these older guys who, you know, which is me now, start going faster, maybe I'm in trouble, but maybe that just means I got to you know, spend a little bit more time. Got to level up. Beyond cycling and triathlon, are you seeing continuous glucose monitoring moving into the space of other sports? And this is a question from one of my listeners. For example, mountaineering and skiing, because he's a mountaineer and also into skiing. I know there is a relationship between blood glucose, altitude, and performance. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, it's, and here's like, again, back to the everyone's different. Right? Yeah. When I go to altitude, I, I need much less insulin. Like my body, my metabolism speeds up immediately. I, I've had riders on the team who, when we go to altitude, they need three times as much insulin. It's interesting. I mean, it's yeah. just it, mind blowing how different, you know, two people, the same height, same weight, same build, like one, you go to altitude, one reacts one way, the other reacts in a different way. So, and you think about the mountaineers, you know, who, are putting their lives at risk, right? And to if to do that underfueled, yeah, we would love to serve the mountaineers. And for them to be able to just look on their wrists and see their glucose before making that you know next upside down wall climb. Yeah. Yeah. We can help them do it safer. We can help them succeed. So would absolutely love to be there. Skiing, you know, I've got it on some women in the U.S. Olympic Development Ski Track, and you know, they're it'll be tested in national championships, you know, under clinical trial next month. We've got cross country skiers in Europe who are using this now and this is the prep for the 2022 games. And then, like, get Formula One drivers, you know, racing with the technology. Um, you know, professional Premier League football players are using it. And it's just I see it in all sports. Like, if you want to win in sport, it, it means controlling every variable. And this is that like game-changing variable that everything that's been in the textbooks about fueling for performance, right? You know, has been wrong. Interesting. And, yeah. And it's like we're going to reverse the literature, and you know, I, I just I'm excited for what's to come in the next ten years from like a human performance standpoint. But yeah, if you're an athlete, again, every athlete should be using this, and. Uh, in, in due course, every athlete will be able to. You know, do you see this going beyond athletics? Like, do you see this moving into an even more mainstream capacity in the workplace to measure productivity and optimal brain function? Because I know that sugar and glucose play a major role in our brain function. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, uh, I, my, my wife would smack me for saying this, but, you know, when, her glucose gets below 70, the wheels fall off. Yeah. And like, I'm, you know, I know I've been exactly what home, you're talking about. Right. Right. I mean, I've been working from home for the last year yeah. and, you know, and I would, it was typically the same time every morning where, you know, she would forget she was caring for the kids and yeah. forgot to take care of herself and forgot to eat. And then I, I knew. And so then I put a sensor on, on, on Billiana and, and then lo and behold, it was 70. That was her mark. If, if her glucose went below 70, that was when the wheels fell off. 
And so she had the data in front of her, started taking better care of herself from a nutrition standpoint. And it was just, I just heard kids screaming. Yeah. And it was the same thing for them, their wheels falling off. But so I think it's got application everywhere, uh, work and performance, you know, for sure there's, there's a place. And, you know, it's just, if you want to be the best of yourself, you want to control the variables and it's, I don't want to create a boring society. I, I want, I want you to, and our, you know, drink red wine, have your craft beer, go get your margaritas, whatever, like pizza, pasta, you know, anything you want, you, you can have, you can earn. And, you know, let's just, we can live, you know, healthier, happier lives if we have more balance. And I think you, you know it, right. You're, yeah. you're an athlete, you exercise and uh, like, how do you feel like in your head on the days you exercise versus the days that you don't? Right. It's not the same. I mean, I feel like something's missing from my life that day. And I definitely don't feel as good. Like, I feel like I need, I need to exercise. I have way too much energy. So that's just me. I mean, and then in terms of like the logistics of the sense of the biosensor and all of the details of wearing it from a logistics standpoint, you know, how does the biosensor work? Does it stay? I mean, obviously athletes are wearing it and you've been wearing it you know, for years. So obviously it stays on, but how do you ensure these things and how can you make athletes feel confident that this is happening and working? So, you know, when, when riding a bike and you get clipless pedals, you fall down, right? The first, it's like, it's a rule. Uh, If you're everyone who tries clipless pedals for the first time is going to, I've done it. We've all done it. Um, it's kind of the same thing with the sensor indoors. So enemies of the sensor, the biosensor are door jams. Cause I think you won't realize how close you walk right. to doors until you knock a sensor off, beware. And for, for women, it's sports bras. Like apparently sports bras are the enemy of the sensor. So when you're you know, doing walking through doors or putting on or taking off a sports bra, just be cognizant for a little bit until you figure out the system. Okay. But you know, I've got three sensors on, like I typically wear three at a time just for testing purposes. They tend to stay on for the full 14 days. Um, every now and again, one will, you know, come off a little bit early, but for the most part of on 14 days, I shower swim. I've gone 61 and a half meters, uh, underwater, you know, scuba diving with it. It's, yeah, it works when it comes back up. So they, they're great in all conditions. Uh, if it's very hot, like 120 plus degrees or very, very cold, you know, there might be some uh, some issues, but you know, just live your normal life. And okay. quickly, it's, it's there, but you'll, it'll quickly won't really be there anymore. And then can I ask you a question? Because I know that historically, like, you know, in the beginning of the conversation, you were talking about insurance and being able to get your diabetes sensors and all the care that you need from for having diabetes to take care of yourself so this is not covered by insurance it's totally up to you if you do it so you know that was one of for me two years ago I saw someone wearing this that was not diabetic and they just like paid for it out of pocket and I at the time it was a very different price point than what you're offering so maybe talk to me a little bit about the pricing and I mean, it's going to be approximately $140 per month, okay. give, or, give or take, when we come to market. Yeah. And that'll get you two sensors. And um, and that's a month's know, supply. That's, yeah. That's a month's supply. Yeah. 
So it's not, I, I, I do realize it's not a insignificant. We would like to get the price down over time and we will. I think what you'll find is it's $5 a day. You know, and, right. and you're going to save, Starbucks. you're going to save $7 a day in food. So it's, yeah. it's really, it's like <laughs> an investment and saving money, but there's some segments of the population who really need this and really won't be able to afford that price point. I'm, I'm aware. Right. And, you know, we want, we need to find ways to ensure everyone who needs access gets access and, you know, access to medicine is, uh, you know, on the diabetes side, it's been a big focus of mine for, you know, since 2009, really. I've had a lot of success in other countries. Uh, the U.S. has been a tougher market to crack, but, you know, we're still working here and still seeing improvements. But, you know, I think in the next I don't know, five, 10 years, uh, th- these should be covered by insurance. We should get them to where, you know, cost is not a barrier to entry. Uh, and I'll just ask for patience until we get to that point. Because uh, Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, I think that all health and exercise should be covered by insurance or you should be able to write it off in your taxes or something because it's like it's the only way we're going to survive is by exercising and being healthy. 100% agree. It's, it's, the, it's the billion dollar drug that never gets prescribed. Yeah. And so now how are you staying fit these days? What are you doing during COVID? What kind of cycling are you doing these days? So COVID meant that I got to stop flying. Yes. Which was a real blessing. I mean, I've been home with my kids for a year now, uh, which I, it's unbelievable. I couldn't have got this time otherwise. And not being on an airplane, not being jet lagged meant that I've been riding really consistently. So my love for the bike uh, is as great, big as it's ever been. Uh, I typically yeah. ride, you know, five days a week. You know, today I ran. I don't like to run, but, you know, it was just time was against me. So I went on a 10K run this morning. But, you know, it's with two jobs, uh, the family, you know, I've, my riding hours have changed. You know, yeah. So I found myself last year doing a lot of rides starting at 5 a.m., which I swore I would never do. Are you indoors on Zwift too, or? I, I spend a good bit of time on Zwift, especially like the winter time when it's cold and wet. Like yeah. I, I, I get, I, you know, I love Zwift. I mean, it's a beautiful environment. Eric Men has been a tremendous advisor to me. He's super sapiens. He's a, a customer, an investor, a friend, and uh, just been a great guy. Yeah, so I'm grateful for that because otherwise I'd, I'd be a big guy right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I joked with both Eric and Chip. I said, you know, because I, I got, I gained a lot of weight with my first two children, uh, first two boys. How old are your kids now? 17, seven, almost five and two and a half. Okay. And, and so, you know, before Leo, my third was coming, I said, I was like, Chip, I, I need a trainer. Like I need a, a kicker. I signed up for Zwift and I got faster. Like I'd get everyone to sleep at eight o'clock at night then go on the trainer for an hour, then two hours. Hey, this is actually fun now. So Zwift and Wahoo have been phenomenal for fitness. But yeah, now I ride at five in the morning. I do night rides. I put lights on, go. I just find it so peaceful. Uh, But I I need, I personally need to get 10 hours of exercise a week. You know, and that's my goal. That's my number too. Yeah. Yeah. And at at Super Sapiens, you know, as a company standpoint, like, you know, I've just told my employees, if you exercise at least 22 days a month, you know, then we'll give you an extra hundred bucks at the end of the month. So I want to put my money where my mouth is and, you know, pay, pay our employees to exercise because we're going to have healthier, happier, more productive employees. And I think every That's company awesome. should do that because we would have a better world. 
I actually interviewed a fashion designer recently. Her name is Norma Kamali, and she offers all of her employees the opportunity to take an hour to meditate during the workday in addition to their regularly scheduled lunch. That's awesome. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I've never heard of that before. Definitely something for the future of business to keep employees healthy. It's a culture, right? Yeah, it's the new culture. Well, it's, yeah, so 2021, what can we see more of? I mean, one, it's the 100th anniversary of insulin. Yeah, so you see the Team Nova Nordisk, you know, our beautiful kit. It's, you're going to see that in the breakaways, hopefully see that on the podium. Um, and, you know, this is our chance to honor, you know, all those who lost their lives, you know, in the early days of diabetes and you know, the innovations, the improvements in technology. Like we spent a hundred years fighting to get to the front. And I think, you know, for me, it's this year that's showing that, you know, like this, it's a transition point because now as we get sensors on the rest of the population, you know, it's going to be the athletes of the world looking to the people with diabetes of the world as the leaders, the ones who know the most about what everything does their body. So I think I I see, you know, I just, I have high hopes for 21 victories and for my professional cycling team, I'm going to give a hundred college scholarships to NCAA athletes with diabetes. Thanks to Adam, we've got 2000 people with type one diabetes in Rwanda who are alive, well, and dreaming via the team type one foundation. And then, you know, super sapiens is a, I think, I hope we can have a yellow jersey in the Tour de France, a, gold, a few gold medals in Tokyo, and you know, a bunch of happier, healthier, faster customers, uh, and call it early adopters for this new reality uh, going forward. That is so wonderful. And if listeners want to learn more about you and your story, you also wrote a book. What's the name of your book? Not Dead Yet. Yeah. Knock on wood. And, you know, it was... I published in 2011, yeah, and so it's it's a bit dated, but you know I think it's a story of a kid with a dream and you know working working like hell to make it true. Um, and I'm still a kid with a dream. Uh, it's just expanded a little bit, and now I see like I want to get the entire world healthier. I want to get the entire world active, and so for me, it's this transition into a new role with Super Sapiens. You know, again, I had to real laser focus on the 440 million people with diabetes and their family members. Now we're going to use sport as a platform to change the world, not yeah. just for people with diabetes. That's so. amazing. That's amazing. Thank you so much for all the work that you're doing. Thank you very much, Marnie. Well, I am so excited to share this convo and let everyone learn about Super Sapiens. Super. Yeah, we'll, we'll promote it to the best of our ability and, you know, let, let the world hear, you know, Marnie on the move. And uh, so what are you, what are you training for right now? So I'm training for 70.3, which is in the Finger Lakes, and it's yep. Ironman, Muscle Man is called. But, I mean, if it doesn't happen, I'm just going to drive out to the Hamptons and do it myself. Last summer, I wasn't in that headspace, but this summer I am. I'm like, nothing is stopping me. I've been trying to get back to my running, so in about two weeks, I'm going to do a half marathon like by myself on the West Side Highway. And then, uh, yeah, and then I'll probably, then the next thing is the 70.3, but... I also want to do a century, so maybe I'll throw a century in between the half marathon and the triathlon because it's July, the triathlon. I'm already like just before the weather got really cold here, I was at like 75 miles, like average ride, just for fun, like not for anything. Like there was no speed involved. You know, I was just riding with some friends and trying to escape the city. And um, I think 
I love it. You know, I love cycling and I always want to get stronger on the bike. That's like one of my biggest goals for 2021, you know, so I feel I already feel stronger, though, from getting that distance. And then also I'm on Zwift doing rides like during the week. So it's been it's been great. Awesome. Yeah, so those are my immediate goals. <laughs> Maybe some surfing this summer. I don't know. That'd be good. So yeah. when, when you do your half marathon, like my, so Todd, like my president, he's, he's, you know, runner, like he, he just runs yeah. and he didn't fuel. And when we started getting a CGM on the gar, his Garmin, he started realizing oh, I need to eat. And so yeah. has began just taking the Morton 320 on every run that he does. Yeah. And starts drinking it at eight, eight minutes in. And last week he set a PR in his half marathon. I think that that's going to be a big game changer for me too, is knowing the, like how much glucose I'm using and like where I'm at, because I'm going to go for a run. And I know that every 30 to 45 minutes, I need to have a gel, Yeah. but I only know that. Like if I didn't know that I probably wouldn't have a gel. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not hungry. I also have been like eating oatmeal before a run, but then I can't, run because I've eaten the oatmeal. So I have to wait two hours for it. It's like a whole thing. I'm trying to figure out my nutrition, but I haven't bonked on any races because I'm always overeating. So it's I'm better so than paranoid. the alternative. Well, yeah, no, it's way better. Yeah. But that's my story. Like I go out on a, a bike ride and I have enough food for like the entire Peloton yeah, because I, yeah, I don't know. It's like from being, I think it's from like when I was a kid, I was telling you, like I had my parents, I was like seven and I had to get this test for like six, seven hours where they just like checked my blood all day, right? Like the old days. And it's always been like a balance for me with like, I think I'm more sensitive to sugar than yeah. most people. And I have a quicker wall to like, for my blood sugar to drop, yeah. but I, it's never diagnosed as anything. So yeah. I think it'll be interesting to know. Yeah, I'm curious to see. I'm excited to try test it out and I'm keeping track of my food and my data like yeah yeah i like it all right awesome well this has been so great thank you so much phil really good to talk to you awesome thanks so much marnie thanks again for tuning in to marnie on the move if you like what you hear leave us a five-star review in apple podcasts follow us on social at marnie on the move for facebook and instagram and marnie salop on twitter Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, MarnieOnTheMove1 at gmail.com, and let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out. <laughs>